Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. For who he is. Focus. I've got a few things I want to do this morning, or I'm going to try to do if technology will uh, cooperate with us today. Uh, we'll get there eventually. I, I think I may have seen one head shaking yes up there, so hopefully that's good news. Uh, but uh, the subject, my subject this morning is focus. And I'm going to be today, you know, sometimes whenever we come to the pulpit to teach or to preach or specifically during teaching, sometimes it's extremely spiritual and sometimes it's very practical. Uh, today's what I hope will be a little bit of a mixture of both. It's, it's going to be practical, uh, but there's a spiritual application. Uh, and I, I hope that you'll receive the word of the Lord that way this morning. But if we ask ourselves today, what is focus? What does the word focus mean? It means maximum clarity or distinctness of an image. So that also begs the question, what happens when there is a lack of focus? When, a, when you have lack of focus, you're easily distracted, and it's hard to listen to others. We call that ADHD. Well, I'm going to have to spend a little bit more time getting you warmed up this morning. Uh, Lack of focus is something that uh, is very dangerous. can be. If you're driving your car down the highway and you have lack of focus, that's, that's a bad thing. Uh, if you, uh, I've looked over before and, and seen the person driving next to me with an extreme lack of focus. I was traveling one time, and I looked over. I don't remember where I was at, but I was driving down the road, and it was a busy highway. And I looked over next to me, and this guy had a newspaper laid out on top of his steering wheel, hand underneath it, and one hand on top of it, and he was just reading as he went down the road. Lord have mercy, i got to get away from this guy. There's danger about to take place. So there's a couple of different types of visions that I want to take a look at this morning. One is nearsighted. People who are nearsighted see things, seeing things far away is difficult. How many nearsighted people do we have here this morning? Amen. Then there's farsighted. Those are people who naturally seeing things up close is difficult. Any, any farsighted folks here this morning? Got a few of you. And then there's those that, uh, that hit around the, the fourth decade or so. Who require, you pointing at me, I appreciate that. Who, uh, who require some reading utensils to help with age-induced farsightedness. I'm not going to ask who that applies to this morning. I don't want to embarrass anyone, like some people point at me. There's different types of, of things, of, of visions, different types of sight that we go through and there's different types of corrective ways to touch or focus. But there are things that happen in relationships sometimes that cause us to not have the type of focus that we should have. 
And I want to give you a demonstration of that here uh, if we're ready for the video this morning, Brother Zach. Uh, and I just want to give a little commercial break here as you're getting this ready. I have not lost my mind. All right, I, I promise you. All right, I told you this is going to be practical plus spiritual. Uh, this is not spiritual yet. Okay, uh, so I haven't lost my mind. I just want you to know that uh, before we watch this. It's about three minutes long. There is a point to it, so please just, uh, as Pastor would say occasionally, walk with me. So, uh, if Brother Zach, if you're ready, let's go. Oh, karate training. I'm what? I'm being your slave is what I'm being, man. Now, we made a deal here. So? So? So you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days, I've been busting my... Uh, you learned plenty. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I wash your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Uh, not everything is as simple. Oh, I'm going home, man. Daniel-san. Daniel-san. What? Come here. Show me sand the floor. I can't move my arm, all right? What are you doing? What are you... Ow! Ow, what are you doing? Now show me sand the floor. How did you do that? Shut up! Sand the floor. Stand up. Show me sand the floor. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Big sucker. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Now show me wax on, wax off. Hey. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off. Concentrate. Look at my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on. Hat. Wax off. Hat. Wax on. Hat. Wax off. Hat. Wax on. Wax off. Show me paint the fence. Up. Down. Up. Down. Up. Down. Other side. Look eye. Always look eye. Show me paint the house. Side, side. Lock wrist. Side, side. Side, side. Yes. Show me wax on, wax off. Show me pen to fence. Hush! Hush! Yes! Yes! Show me side to side. Yes! 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 Show me sand of floor. Hush! 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 Always look high. 
I don't think there was a boy in the growing up in the 80s that didn't uh, think that you could learn how to do karate by waxing the floor. I was one of them. But that's not what I want to talk about this morning. So, leading into this, I know this is just a script out of Hollywood, but just give me a minute. I want to make a point. Leading into this, Daniel is very upset because he's been doing all of these chores for Mr. Miyagi for several weeks, and the agreement was he would teach him how to, how to do karate, and he hasn't learned anything, he thinks. But you can see there, and if it, was, if it was real, you could see how quickly he pieced together everything that he had been doing leading up to that point. But he was upset because he didn't understand what his teacher was doing. But little did he know he was actually being trained and taught the entire time. All of the hard work and the activity and the chores and the things that he had went through were leading up to a pivotal moment of training for him to where that it would be revealed that he actually knew more than what he thought he did. Those countless hours of waxing cars and painting fences and sanding floors were all actually practice sessions for his karate lessons. He just didn't know it. So, but by the end of the clip now, we see Daniel has, has he's had a change. He's went from questioning his teacher because he felt like he was being taken advantage of He's went from questioning him to now you can see the deep respect and awe in his eyes. Now he's understanding a little bit more clearly what was happening right in front of him because he finally understood what the master was up to. Now let me, let me give you just a little bit of a spiritual uh, application to this because I know that this is just a script from Hollywood, but I would dare say today that we can relate to much of the content, not, not the training for karate content, but the, the fact that we don't like to be taken advantage of. The fact that there are times in life and things that happen in life that if we feel like we're being taken advantage of, we tune out. You could tell by his body language, you could tell by the fact that, you know, he kept smacking him saying, oh, hey, you know, look at me in the eyes, you know. He, he had no focus, he had no intent to really be tuned into what was happening because he didn't trust him. But then by the time there was trust, there was focus. And I would dare say today that it's very similar to that in our relationship with God. Sometimes we don't understand all he's putting us through. Sometimes we don't understand the process. Sometimes we want to judge the end goal by the process and God's saying, just trust me for the process because what I'm doing in you and through you and to you right now is part of the way you're going to get your victory. So it's important today that we don't lose our focus when things in life just aren't going the way that we want them to go because that is part of the process. We have to learn to trust what the master's up to. Amen. I have to learn as a child of God. I have to learn how to trust what the Lord is up to in my life even if I don't understand it. He wants and expects and needs from us an undying trust. An unwavering focus that says, God, if I don't know what it's about, I still will trust you. That can, that can come to us in life in times of sickness, in times of job loss, 
in times of relationship difficulty, in times of loss. There's all kinds of things that happen in this life that we'll never understand. And I can guarantee you there's even more things that happen in life that we'll never like. But, and this is a little bit of a hard statement this morning, so, so forgive me, but just because we don't like it and just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's not the will of God. Because God's ways will never be fully understood by us. I have asked Him why so many times in life. And I have asked the question more than I've ever gotten the answer. But I still trust Him. I still come to church to worship Him, even though He didn't answer me. Let, let me say it this way this morning, saints of God, if, if, if you are determining your level of worship, if you're using that as a bargaining chip to God, that if He'll heal you or if He'll do X, that you'll do something for Him, then you'll never do anything for Him. Because He may not answer. Well, that sounds bad, don't it? He, he may not answer. There, there, was, there was something in the Apostle Paul's life that he, he never got a full answer on. He just learned to deal with it. There are certain things in life we may never know. But what happens to us in our natural walk is if we don't understand it, we don't want to have anything to do with it. As, as human beings... Let, let, Let's go away from the spiritual application for just a moment. As human beings, if we don't understand it, we don't want anything to do with it. If you want to demonstrate that, let's set, uh, let's set, you, set an elder that is above the age of 60 down at a television screen with a game controller with someone that's of the age of 10 or 12 and have them play a game together. Elder not going to last long. And that's not a statement of judgment this morning. Uh, I'm not 60, but I can actually relate. There are certain things I refuse to play with my son because, uh, well, he's going to win and I'm not. I have no hope. Even if he doesn't cheat, he's still going to win. So we lose, we lose our focus, we lose our intent, we lose our, our, our ability and, and desire to want to participate if we don't understand it. And that's, that's a little bit of what the trick of the enemy is in this hour. Is to make sure that he capitalizes on the fact there are certain things we don't understand. The truth is. God loves us. And he is always working in us. And through us. Romans 8.28 we know it well. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. He has an understanding of the end even before we see the beginning. Now that's powerful. He understands the end of your, end of your valley before you ever even get there to know it's, it's there. So we should obey God even when we don't understand it. A lack of focus on God and His Word will result in you questioning Him. You won't pay attention to Him. 
or what he has to say. You will question. You'll have a questionable attitude toward him. You won't trust. You won't see what he's doing in your life. You won't see the good that he's actually doing for focusing on all the things that you don't like. That's, that's, that's dangerous. And that's exactly what the enemy of our soul wants. Is He wants us to focus on things that really don't matter. It's important that we have focus. It's important that we have clarity. Focus and clarity do not happen by accident. It has to be intentional. It, has to, it requires effort. To correct a vision problem, you must wear corrective lenses. Now, I've got contacts in this morning to correct the fact that I'm nearsighted and uh, I couldn't see your faces at all without them in, but then because of age-induced whatever, I've got these so that I can read. Now, here's, here's a disturbing fact. I have known a lot of people, and there might be some of you out there, and I'm not looking to judge you this morning if it is, but I have known a lot of people that need corrective lenses. They get corrective lenses, but then they refuse to wear them. Now, Bishop, what kind of sense does that make? First of all, why spend the money to buy them just to say you got them, just to be stubborn enough to not use them, and still you can't see? Waste of money. Amen. All the frugal people can say amen. It's a waste of money. Use what you have. Use what you buy. Use where your money is. Why have the ability? So that means that there are people who have a lack of focus and clarity in their natural vision by choice. They could see better, but they don't. Now, I could, I could refuse to wear these. I could. I don't, simply because no matter how much I get pointed at and laughed at, I don't refuse, simply because if I do, I'm only really hurting myself. I'm the one that can't see. Now, technically speaking, my arms are still long enough. <laughs> technically. I just really feel like a dork having to do that constantly. But I tell you what, they're, they're, not, they're not too long. Because it's getting to the point now that uh, I kind of have to lean into it a little bit. So I don't think I've got but about an inch left till the arm's going to be too short. But that's my responsibility to fix. I'm the one who, who has the, uh, the deciding factor to say, okay, I can buy, I can buy a, a, a set of, of $20 readers at the store, and I can carry them around, and then whenever I need to see something, I can put them on. Whenever I don't, I can take them off. I'm the one that has to be able to do that. And if I don't do that, I don't have focus, naturally speaking, and I don't have clarity. And I'm going to hurt myself at some point because I don't know what's in front of me. Now, if we, if we review that spiritually this morning, we can understand that if we have a choice in the natural, then likewise, I believe we also have a choice in the spiritual. And it's important for us to understand 
that, that we, we need to position our walk with God to the place that I'm not constantly refusing to see Him because I can't. I need focus and clarity in my life. How do I get focus and clarity in my life spiritually? Obedience. His Word. If I am investing things into my life that matter, Obedience brings focus and clarity. Lack of obedience results in blurred vision, unclear vision, a me-centric focus that all it does is result in drama. That's a big word for this day. If I am coming to God in my worship only for the purpose of seeing what I can get from Him, then my focus is not on Him. Our worship has to be more about Him and less about us. Or we will position ourselves in our walk with God to be that the only time we worship is when we need something. I need Him. I need to see him clearly. So clarity is important. Brother Zach, let's tee up the, the PowerPoint, if you would. Uh, I'm going to ask for a little bit of group participation here this morning. And uh, there is no uh, grade. It's not a pass-fail. It's just uh, it is what it is. But we're going to take a look at what focus does for us this morning. I'm going to put up a, uh, we're going to put up a slide and we're going to keep that slide up for 10 seconds, and then we're going to change the slide and ask you, what you, ask you a couple of questions. And uh, we'll take a volunteer, maybe, if someone's willing, uh, to say what they saw, and we'll see if you're right or not. So we're ready? Let's go to the next slide for 10 seconds. Next slide. How many men and women are there? Sister Margaret. All right, next slide, Brother Zach. Correct. Sister Margaret had focus. Good job. All right, next slide. Next slide. What color were the window frames on the blue building? Brother Daniel says red. Next slide. They were red. Good job, Brother Daniel. Next slide, Brother Zach. Next. How many colors were there in the rainbow sidewalk? Sister Dixie. What's the number? How many colors? Four? All right, next slide. Seven. All right, next slide. Next. What was hanging on the flag? Moon and the star. Next slide. It is a moon and the star. 
Bonus question. Good job, Pastor. Bonus question. Whose flag is that? Oh. Turkey. All right. Next slide. Next. How many people are sitting down in the bus stop? Next slide. One person. The rest are standing. Next slide. This is my favorite one. She's going to town. Next slide. What color is the dog's sweater? Next slide. Red and black. The dog needs a helmet on. Next slide. Next. What color was the stoplight? Some of you are good at this. Red. First time I looked at it, I didn't even know there was a stoplight. <laughs> it's like, where was that? Let's go back and study that just a little bit. Uh, is that the last one? All right. Next slide. Next. What advertisement is on the wall? Chick-fil-A. Next slide. Yes, it is. We have any more? All right, thank you. So you can see when things get busy how easy it is to get off focus. Focus is important. There is a, a legend called the Gordian Knot. Few people actually know what it means or the legend behind it. The Oxford Dic Living Dictionary calls it an extremely difficult or involved problem. But before it was a metaphor, it was an actual set of knots so tangled up, one Roman historian said it was impossible to see how they were fastened. Alexander the Great encountered this tangle of knots tied to a yoke in the city of Gordium in what is now modern Turkey. The year was 333 B.C. According to a prophecy, the man who could untangle the knots would become a great conqueror. Because of that prophecy, Alexander was determined to untie the knots. He kept at it for a while. He tugged at them with no luck, so much that his fingers were rubbed raw. Finally, he had his aha moment. Alexander stopped tugging and stepped back from the tangle, and he said... It makes no difference how they are loosed. And he took his sword and cut through all the knots with a single powerful stroke. And that's where we got the phrase, cutting the Gordian knot, for solving a seemingly impossible problem. He went on to conquer Egypt and much of the known world before his early death. Greatness beckoned, but not until he overcame the challenge. To solve the problem of the Gordian knot, Alexander needed the determination and singular focus that we often struggle with today. He was all tangled up in some distractions. The knots were distracting him. Solving the problem was distracting him. A modern day Alexander might consider the knot for a moment and then get sidetracked by email, 
social media, text, meetings, people popping through his door to pick his brain, smartphone updates, phone calls, reports, spreadsheets, breaking news. The list is endless. Pretty soon the day is over, and he's hoping to get untangled the next day, and the next, and the next, but he never solves the problem. Dealing with all the immediate distractions and problems, they prevent him from the decisive stroke that cuts through what really matters. And he goes down in history as not Alexander the Great, but Alexander the easily distracted. The question this morning is, what are you focused on? That's the question. Is what are we focused on? When you come to church, for example, what are you focused on? And that's a rhetorical question. I'm not pausing to get an answer. But What are we focused on when we come to the house of God? Are we focused on a Sunday morning, for example? Are we focused on the fact that we skipped breakfast? Are we focused on what's for lunch? Are we focused on our spouse because we were mad at each other in the car on the way to church? There's all kinds of things for us to get our mind focused on. We can be focused on the last Facebook update or we can be focused on what we're doing tomorrow at work or, or, or the next doctor's appointment or, or, or whatever it is. There's a list a mile long for every one of us. And our enemy wants nothing more than to distract us to the point that when we come to the house of God, our focus is on everything but the main reason why we should be here. He wants us to come in here and, and, and in a spiritual application get distracted by all the knots. He wants us to come in here trying to solve our problem so much that all we do is focus on the problem, not the problem solver. But ladies and gentlemen, when we come into this house, it is the right moment for our focus to shift off of us, off of the problem, off of the issue, and get our focus on the man who can solve the problem before you ever even knew one existed. That's taking the sword and cutting through the knots in one fell sweep. Why? Because he has all power in heaven and in earth. He is readily able and willing to help question today is what are you focused on? Do you have clarity in your walk with God? I heard someone say something recently. And it was posed in the form of a question. The question was, was very simply this. How long do people who come to church for years, how long is it going to take to get their attention for a commitment and a dedication for God? The problem isn't the length of time. The problem is a lack of focus. Because... Anyone can come to church. Coming to church doesn't change us. Coming to church is not the silver bullet that says, I'm not right. Coming to church is the right thing to do. 
We find that in the Word of God. But that just puts us in the right environment. There are still choices and decisions that must be made while we're in His presence. And no one can make those decisions for you but you. So a lack of focus positions you to be able to come to church but church never be in you. You see, focus and clarity when in the presence of God, Bishop, tells me whatever you want. That's what it says. I can see him clearly, and whatever he wants, I trust him. Pride's out of the way. Ego's out of the way. Whatever he wants, that's what I want. That's what focus does. But lack of focus protects us. Protects the natural man. It protects the sinly, the fleshly sinful man. The, the lack of focus says, all right, I'm going to come to church. But that's it. I'm going to clap my hands every once in a while. And I want to look the part. But I don't want to dive in so deep. That I've got my correct, because I've got my corrected lenses, but I want to keep them in my pocket because I'm a little embarrassed to wear them. So we have this blurred vision spiritually. We can't see God clearly, we can't even see ourselves clearly. It's just blurry. We, 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 I think we, we may need a little bit of the dose of what Jesus did to the blind man in the New Testament when he spit on his eyes. He didn't spit on his eyes because he had to. He's trying to get the man's attention. So I, I can't help but wonder this morning That somewhere in our mind that there's not some occurrence, some, some thing, a word fitly spoken in a service, in a revival service or a Sunday service or something that ministered to you deeply. It motivated you to try harder, to do more, to be more faithful, to be more consistent, dependable and accountable to God. It just might be that you left service with the right focus, but after going home and arriving back into life, you lost focus. You lost determination. You kept attendance. And I, I'm thankful for everyone that's here this morning. Please don't misunderstand me. What, what I'm trying to portray to us this morning is that we, we need to be more than just bodily present in the presence of God. Being bodily present here, great. I'm sure God has taken roll call this morning. And I, I, want to, I want him to put a check mark beside my name. But my salvation doesn't hinge on just that check mark alone. There's repentance. There's water baptism in Jesus' name. There's the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There is righteous standard of living. After we get past the book of Acts, there's still Romans through Jude that teaches us how to live a godly Christian life. 
Those things, ladies and gentlemen, forgive me for saying it this way this morning, but those things are not optional. Just because they're not listed in Acts 2.38. I can have the Holy Ghost and still not make it to heaven. If my focus gets off I tell you what, I, I can't, because of some of the hearing issues I have, I cannot listen to more than one thing at a time and really understand it. That's something I have learned over recent years. If I am in a room full of people talking, I have to try to filter out myself by, by reading lips. I have to filter out what all's going on around me because if I don't, I can't hear anything but just a bunch of, it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher, I just, I just hear just a bunch of noise. So I have to focus extremely hard to hear the person that I want to hear if I'm in a room full of people. It's just about, I believe, that intentional in our spiritual walk with God. It does not happen by accident. You have to make up your mind and decide, I want to be saved. It's just like putting the lenses on. I choose to want to read. I choose to want to see. If I'm going to sign my name on a document, I'm going to have these on. Because I'm making sure that I'm putting my name where it belongs. Or that I'm not putting it where it doesn't belong. So much more in our walk with God, whenever I come to His house, I need to be focused on Him. Because if I'm not focused on Him and I'm putting all of my energy just in the fact that, well, pastor, I'm here. Check mark the roll call. I made it another service. Don't expect anything else from me. I want you to understand something this morning. You're not hurting this man. Well, maybe you are. But he's not the only person you're hurting. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself more than you're hurting anyone. Because the very guy that you're really doing that to is right there. The Lord. The one that died on a cross for you that you might have an opportunity not to serve him? Ladies and gentlemen, that's powerful. To have someone die for you in spite of the fact that you may or may not? We need focus. We need to dial it in so we can see it clearly. Like a pair of binoculars that's out of focus, you dial it. You dial it until it gets right. We need to dial this in in our walk with God till we get it right. And that may mean trial and error. That may mean tripping over ourselves a little bit until we get it right. But don't stop until you get it right. This is not about expect to expectations of perfection. This is about effort. When you're focused, you're on task. So it stands to reason that lack of focus results in a distracted walk with God. These distractions result in a lack of commitment and dedication. Simply results in you just attending church, but you never let church attend to you. The biggest challenge we have church is not in getting focused, it's staying there. It's staying there. 
Genesis chapter 27, picking up at verse number 18. You Bible readers know the story well. Uh, I read to you the very beginning portion where Isaac had asked Esau to go get some venison. And in the meantime, leading up to verse number 18, and I'm, 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 I've, I see the runway. I'm coming to a, to a landing here. But uh, leading up to verse number 18, we see that Rebekah is helping Jacob devise a plan to deceive his father so that he can get the birthright. And we get to verse number 18. And, and let, me, let me pause right here because I, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And I just want to say that that betrayal could have never happened if Isaac's eyes had not been dim. So, well, he was an old man. That happens, yes. But I'm talking about in spiritual application. You will be deceived in your walk with God if you are not clear on what you believe. You, 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 do, you, you listen to me well this morning. We do not propagate a gospel here that says you leave it to us to teach you and you don't figure it out for yourself. You'll never hear that from this pulpit. Not while, not while this church staff is here. You hear us telling you, read your word. Study it. We'll answer questions. We'll help all we can. But we are not telling you we're smarter than you. You let us figure it out for you and you just stay in the pew. That's not what happens at First Apostolic Church. So when you stand before God in, in, in great judgment, He is going to judge you for you. He'll judge us for words spoken from this pulpit, but hear me well this morning. He will judge you for you. Not what... i got to go on. Verse number 18. The Bible says, And he came unto his father and said, This is, this is Jacob. My father, and he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according to thou, as thou, as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that, thou, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. He, his vision's dim, but something doesn't feel right. And Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him, listen to this now, and he discerned him not. Because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He discerned him not. He had no focus on the reality of what was going on simply because Isaac was depending on his natural environment to give him clarity on a spiritual matter. You can never depend on your natural instincts to give you clarity on your relationship with God. If you want clarity on your relationship with God, you're going to have to worship, you're going to have to pray, and get into his presence. Because if I'm depending on my instincts, if I'm depending on my natural environment around me, it will betray me every time. 
We talked earlier. Stand with me if you would, please. I talked a little bit earlier about nearsightedness, farsightedness, and for those of us who need readers to see what's in front of us, sightedness. There's another type of vision deficiency called monovision. I actually had a boss several years back that, that had this. It was quite peculiar. Monovision occurs when you have one eye that's nearsighted and one eye that's farsighted. And if the vision problem is not corrected, it results in a problem with depth perception. One eye sees close, one eye sees far away, and the combination of the two, you cannot tell how far something is. Everything in your life is shallow. It's almost, and if I, if, I, if I provide a spiritual application to that, it's almost the same as having one eye on the church and one eye on the world. And I never get a depth relationship with God because I'm always tossed to and fro between one vision and the other. Do I look here or do I look there? And what I'm saying this morning is that we need corrected focus. We need corrected vision to help us because if that's not corrected, it just puts us in a shallow position and God wants us completely absorbed in Him. We need a corrected vision of Jesus today. It's void of distractions. It's void of anything that would take our focus off of Him. I wonder if we could just lift our hands this morning as pastor comes to lead us in this altar service today and just give him some praise together for who he is. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to reconnect some focus this morning. This is an opportunity to reconnect some focus today. God, I need you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.